welcome to the Persuasion Lab podcast. I'm Martin Diros, expert negotiator. Unfortunately, the world isn't made to your specifications in all ways at all times, which means you need to be able to communicate your wants and needs so you can get them met. I'm here to teach you the tools and strategies so that you can do exactly that. Stay tuned after the episode for more information about the fully outfitted digital persuasion lab or head over to thepersuasionlab.com to get started. Hello and welcome to the Persuasion Lab podcast. I'm Dr. Katherine Hoffman turning the microphone around on Martin Medeiros, who is actually the negotiation pro in the room. So hi, Martin. How are you, Catherine? Good. How's it going? Good. Good. So today we are talking about body language. And body language is something that is obviously nonverbal, but the traditional stat that's tossed around is you get, you know, 80% of your information from the nonverbals in the room. And in a negotiation setting, when people may or may not be telling all of the information that they have, or maybe trying to um, sort of play their cards close to the vest, it makes a really big difference that you're able to pick up on these nonverbal cues, not unlike playing a poker game or something like this, like being able to recognize what are the tells that let me know, oh, hey, we're getting to a point where maybe we need to take a break. We're getting to a point where I can push a little bit more and kind of start to play hardball a little bit more. So generally speaking, what do you recommend for folks so that they can get used to reading nonverbal cues if they're not used to doing that? Uh, the first thing is I think to do what the professionals recommend is to know the person better and they call this getting a baseline so people who work in clandestine services or law enforcement who they talk about getting a baseline whereas um, it's really frustrating when I uh, like someone is up for a hearing for some position maybe a senate hearing or someone is talking on the news and they'll rush in the body language expert and they say kind of anything that flows off the top of their heads and my uh, heart races and I get angry because these people do not know how to bet they call themselves body language experts but they're probably not why because but for the first time they saw this person all over the headlines they didn't establish a baseline they didn't know how they reacted during normal circumstances and for this reason um, one you know semi-objective body language detector of course is a lie detector which is not admissible in any court in the United States because it doesn't really do the job at saying oh yeah these are traits that tell truth or uh, uh, fiction but we can learn a lot from in-person body language and you know post-pandemic uh, we are all zoomed out and videoed out, and I probably should mention uh, Microsoft Teams and uh, <laughs> all uh, yeah, Cisco. For <laughs> I don't want to be I want to be platform agnostic, uh, but at the end of the day, people uh, in my circles really get a lot more information uh, face to face, and the data and research actually supports that. Yeah. So having a baseline, I just want to have a tangible example for folks so they can understand. So maybe you and I both have friends, acquaintances, coworkers, whatever, who tend to be a little bit twitchier just 
when they're relaxed, they tend to like maybe move more, fidget more, sort of dart their eyes around a little bit more just because that's how that's how their bodies operate at a relaxed baseline, right? Right. And so if you didn't know that, if you didn't know that about the person that you're um, negotiating with, you might be in that room and like see them twitchy and like eye darty and whatever it is. And I'm painting a caricature sort of yeah. as an example. But if you're in the room and you didn't know that, you think, oh my gosh, they're super nervous. Like I have the upper hand here, this or that. When in fact, they're yeah. just operating at, oh, this is just the baseline. Right. The, there's one... Uh, yeah, what we're going to do in this episode is kind of trot out the little chestnut, chestnuts that people use and tell, are they right or wrong? And and one of that is the baseline. And one of those those things is, oh, they broke eye contact. They broke mm-hmm. eye. You know, there was a brilliant um, uh, CPA tax attorney who since retired I work with. And he, uh, every time he would think, he would look up at the ceiling. He'd be looking at you and then he'd look up at the ceiling because, you know, in the United States, a tax code is like 10,000 pages long. It's very complex. And he was just trying to zone out and focus on all those little tax laws. And uh, breaking eye contact was kind of like his way to, you know, sensory deprivation so he could actually focus on the tax code. Mm-hmm. And uh, whereas, you know, an expert would have said, oh, he, he's not telling you the truth. Don't trust him because he's breaking eye contact. I mean, his baseline was that's just how he operated. Yeah. He, was a, he was a great attorney. I think um, the episode that you did with Michael Reddington, he had a lot of great things to say about that and being able to tell. Right. And he speaks to that about, like, there's no one thing that someone is, that anyone is going to do that you can pinpoint and say, like, oh, they broke eye contact. That means X, Y, Z. It really matters, like, where are the deviations and where are the places where you're seeing a difference? So... I tend to be super still and very kind of right. um, sedate in a lot of cases. So if I was negotiating with someone and they knew that about me, but then all of a sudden I started being really twitchy and like kind of all over the place and shifting in my seat a lot, that would tip them off. Like, oh, hey, Catherine, like there's something going on on the other side there. Like, let me key in on that and sort of right. use that in our conversation. And there are, there are some things that are pretty universal. And um, let's talk about a poker game shall we? Uh, you see sometimes poker players wear um, sunglasses. That is that is because sometimes they may have a tell of, say, a pupil dilation when they get a good hand or a bad hand. It depends on their baseline. But what good poker players do at the table is establish a baseline after a few hands. Mm-hmm. When this person gets a bad hand, they may touch their lip or something. Um which is a self-soothing uh, thing that, that may indicate stress. For example, if you like rub your chin or l- rub the top of your thigh, uh, that's a lot of people, that's kind of a, self, uh, a self-soothing mm-hmm. uh, behavior. Uh, it indicates stress. Um, so whatever was said, it was stress. But you don't know, were they thinking about what you said or were they thinking about their uh, uh problem in their marriage at that point you know you so you don't know what's triggering that tell but after a after a series and what people in the business call clusters of behavior you can say okay these five things line up and then i can glean a clearer uh view of their their mental state yeah i really love um there's an episode of 30 rock where Jack Donaghy goes and plays poker with all the uh, staff writers, staff writers for the show. And um, as they're playing, he just like knocks everybody at the table out with their tells. And then 
one of the pages, the NBC pages, comes and sits down and takes somebody's spot, and one of the writers comments, like, oh, he can't read the page because, like, the page isn't thinking anything. He's just a sort of, like, a blank slate. <laughs> and Jack Donaghy, they end up, he ends up hosting this really big, like, casino night because he really wants to beat this kid at poker and, like, figure out what's the tell. Um, at any rate, it's a really funny episode that speaks to, in a humorous way to what you're speaking of. So in terms of practicalities, right, the nonverbals are something that can be really tough if you're not used to paying attention to how someone is moving, how they're sitting, what's their posture, facial expressions, where are their feet pointed, how are their arms positioned, right? There are a lot of cues. There are so many nonverbal cues to start to pay attention to. Um, and we all do this, most folks, neurodivergent um, or neurodiverse conditions notwithstanding um, things like autism um, but we all key in on these cues to a certain degree without thinking about it without considering it and so how do you recommend that folks start to pull that up into their conscious awareness that they can start to say oh hey I see this person's feet are pointing to the door right they probably have to go let me wrap this up so they can get going let me ask what they're up to next and you know whatever it is so how do you start to how do you start to do that and make tangible use of it there's there's two two levels um to uh body language reading and uh, i'll go over those two areas and then we'll go into some particular ones that may mean things exactly what you're saying uh pointing your feet towards the door and uh there's an author uh navarro he talks about uh, another former fbi guy if you listen to the podcast we <laughs> there's so many former fbi uh, authors. He basically retired from the FBI and read a book. Um, that's the, the career path. But the uh, what we can do is uh, talk about some research. So um, macro body language and what we're calling uh, facial expressions, maybe micro expressions. So the, the two dominant researchers here are uh, Margaret Mead, of course, who basically said everything is cultural. Everything is cultural. Um, and uh, Paul Ekman said, well, Maybe macro body language, you know, what we do with our entire bodies is cultural, but micro expressions, uh, those 125th of a second flashes that give a window into our true intentions, and we have a whole podcast on this episode. It's actually one of the most viewed podcasts or listened to download podcasts uh, on micro expressions. But uh, they basically had this uh, disagreement, and at the end of the day, macro body language is indeed cultural. Facial expressions, micro-expressions are not. Micro-expressions are homo sapien, universal, every culture. And that's some of the enduring research of uh, Paul Ekman. I've taken his class. I highly recommend it um, on identifying micro-expressions. So what, you, uh, what you're left with is, well, what does macro-body language tell us? And are there some universal micro uh sorry macro body language what our whole bodies are telling us and the answer is yes and in navarro's book he says don't look from the torso up look from the torso down and and he exactly as he said dr hoffman about when people point their uh feet to the door they're they're done with the conversation they want out and it's funny because I do my little social experiments at cocktail parties, and this seems to be pretty true in, in the field. Um, but I, next I want to kind of run through a few uh, macro body language things that can tell us, oh, this, this probably means this. Um, 
does a neutral position. This is the baseline. How do people normally hold their bodies? It, with, it, from that position, you can gain other things because, for example, when people don't want to be noticed, when they do not feel confident, they want to uh, feel small. They may curl their sh uh, shoulders in. They may um, slouch a little. Uh, they're trying to not be noticed because they don't feel comfortable in the room or something like that. Uh, so this is kind of like a hiding pos uh, 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 posture. Um, and then a, a, another posture is revulsion, and that's when basically your your pelvis is straight, but your torso is like backing away from someone. It's like, get away from me. Like, And that's a, a general repulsive thing. Um, again, Navarro talks about this, this concept of happy feet, feet toes pointing up means i'm happy if you're like standing and uh rocking hands behind the back is an open posture uh hands in front is more hiding and then you know big body positions taking up a lot of real estate is generally confidence and, and relaxation and then that that self-soothing is another one where uh playing with hair touching lips uh, rubbing the top of your thigh. Uh, these are things that indicate uh, a little bit of uh, tension. And again, you don't know what their current mental state is. Uh, uh, I don't know of any homo sapien who is an actual mind reader. You may know of this, but I do not. <laughs> so let's pause for just a second. I want to yeah. bring folks like really into the practical. If you're sitting in a room with someone, so let's paint a picture for a second. Okay. So say you're on a date. All right. Right. This is a type of negotiation, especially if on a first date, you like the person, you want to like flinch the deal, set up a second date, be able to see this person again. So say you're sitting at a coffee shop because coffee shops have reopened and yeah. you're able to do that. People. Um, huh? And, you know, you're feeling relaxed. You're kind of leaning back in your chair because you're feeling relaxed and you notice the other person is like leaning in. Maybe they have yeah. like an elbow on the table. They maybe have their face resting on their hand. And then you say something and then all of a sudden that person sits back in their yeah. chair and sort of shifts their torso pointing away from you. Yeah. What would you say about that interaction? Well, it depends what the interaction is. Friend or foe or potential <laughs> friend or potential good friend. So you're on the first date. Like say you met somebody first date. online all right, first and date. this is the first time yeah. you're meeting them. Well, you would probably want to adjust. You would probably say, gee, I just said that thing that's really offensive uh and then you can just check yourself and get a little feedback what did i say that triggered that very negative pretty acute response and if it's something that just came out of your mouth and unless there's like someone <laughs> behind you uh you know with a bat over your head and then she backed up or he backed up uh, it was probably something you said so just go back and say gee what did i say and then say well how did that and then to bring someone back in the conversation say, well, what did you think about that? I really didn't think a lot about that. And they may offer an opinion, but yeah. Yeah. But the two things you said, just to deconstruct, uh, you know, when, when someone is leaning in, uh, engaged, that's the time that you want to do the same. Mm -hmm. If you're leaning back, that's showing your revulsion, whereas if you want to as they say, mirror people's behavior, not in a monkey see, monkey do, uh, you know, mockery type thing, mm -hmm. but lightly mirror the person's behavior. 
they actually feel comfortable. And this is independent research. This has nothing yeah. to do with any of the research, as I said. But generally, this mirroring behavior is uh, a way to make people relax. Because at the end of the day, our brains are... Uh, they are pattern recognition machines. When things look as we think they should, if things look similar to our tribe, uh, we uh, feel more relaxed. And if they don't, then it may cause a secondary uh, cognitive or very primitive in our, our brain uh, type of thing because, you know, we want to look at things that kind of we're familiar with. If we see a lion that's a little, we don't see those every day, kind of scary, probably want to uh, <laughs> do something else or we will be lion food. Yeah, it can really throw off balance. I can say that in my training um, as a physician and also in mental health specifically, we talk a lot about mirroring. And it's wild because when you do these kinds of things, when you start to learn body language and you start to learn, oh, let me mirror this person, because you're, you're aware that you're doing it, you think that the other person's going to think like also be aware that you're doing it and be like, you're mirroring me and this is silly and you know they'll sort of call you out for being a phony in so many words. But in fact, what happens is that no one notices because it's something that so few people pay conscious attention to that if you notice you're sitting next to someone or you're talking to someone and they have their legs crossed, if you cross their legs, that doesn't... You, you it, cross your legs. Yeah. You can't cross their legs. You cross your legs <laughs> to mirror. That would be, be harmful or <laughs> yeah, offensive touching. That. <laughs> Hopefully you know what I'm getting at here. But essentially, you move to mirror what they're doing. It's so under conscious awareness and so under the radar that you end up, what ends up happening is that that other person is at ease and they maybe aren't really sure why. And they're not, maybe not totally aware that they're more at ease, but you start to be able to relax into a, a much more productive conversation if you're able to pick up on those cues um, and mirror in subtle ways what they're doing. Right, and I, and I think even if you're at the top of your game and with professional negotiators, so this is like all these things we talk about in this podcast are what the pros do. Mm -hmm. And it's like a fish swimming in water. <laughs> if a fish doesn't say, oh my God, I'm swimming in this water that's their environment so professional negotiators they do all this and it's interesting you know since i've been you know learning and studying negotiation for 25 plus years it's uh uh you see every w pros you see them do all the same things because they are fish in water mm -hmm. if you've done thousands of transactions this is how you behave mm -hmm. everyone is working and it's comfortable to them and they can actually get to the objective thing and advocate for their client or their position or their the need they're trying to have met and it's kind of interesting so the, the takeaway here i think is if you can do this stuff and remember the stuff in this podcast <laughs> it's not fake pros do it pros know it and it's yeah. part of the game no, do you know the communication game the human communication game and how we communicate our needs to the world so that they can get met if you know the formula you will be much more successful and uh you know body language is another thing and our online platform the persuasionlab.com we have paid models and they do the body language and you can see what it looks like mm -hmm. in um 
different photos that we give on uh, uh, these different parts of recognizing body language and, yeah. and how to how to tell it. Yeah, it's tough to talk through body language stuff on an audio yeah, podcast. Yeah, we're uh, but... well, we're thinking about getting a doing some video YouTube stuff. So yeah. Um, but I do think the Persuasion Lab is a really good place to go. You have some really great quality photos. We're scrolling through them now as we're talking to you. Yeah. Um, and they're super clear and really easy to see, um, you know, how bodies tend to show yeah. up in different situations and portray different emotions and internal states. Yeah. So uh, just for a minute, if we could, because yes. you also mentioned micro expression. Yes. Right. So we sort of talked about the gross body language mm-hmm. um and when we're talking micro expressions what what is a micro expression uh, a micro expression is basically a facial expression that's flashed in a fraction a small fraction of a second mm-hmm. and it gives you a little bit of window into the present sense impression of the person and generally uh it it's pretty accurate because uh again it's it's very um it's a very primitive part of the brain. It's very reflexive, and we don't have time to think when we flash our micro expressions. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you uh, go on YouTube and look at Paul Ekman's stuff, and it's uh, he has a great um, little short on YouTube that the professor himself, uh, who did his research in Papua New Guinea, and uh, wonderful life story. I really encourage you to buy his books and get into his research, but. He, uh, the, the, the typical microexpression is revulsion. If people don't like something you said, they will wrinkle their nose. But you can wrinkle your nose kind of in a long time, but that's not when people, when we're in polite conversation or if you're at the table, people won't make twisted faces at the table generally, but they will flash it very quickly. And once, you know, after I took his course, I'm like, wow, they really didn't like that. And then there's like hacks. Okay, hacks will actually um, do other expressions near their face. Uh, they may give you the finger. <laughs> you know, they will act like they're rubbing their nose or their ear or something. That's really not a micro expression. That's just being stupid and rude. And uh, some people think they can get away from it and uh, 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 get it by the observer, but only. Uh, but yeah, you don't want to be doing hack things. Microexpressions have to do with the hard wiring. Um, smiling is another big one. And if you ever, you know, during the pandemic, everyone wore a mask. And uh, you could not tell, uh, you could tell true happiness, even if you didn't see the face, which is because happiness happens with eye muscles. So happiness is in the eyes. Happiness is in the eyes. Absolutely. So when you see people smile, the muscles around their eyes and their their lower uh, cheek muscles will pull up, and it's a true smile. And you see this sometimes. I call it the diplomat's um, smile, where they look like they're smiling, but their eyes show a certain type of dread. And you know, again, don't want to get too political, but. One of our top diplomats, of course, was uh, uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton, and they used to call it the Clinton smile, where she would have a huge smile, but her eyes, if you looked at her eyes, she was not happy. So 
Microexpressions happen super fast. Mm -hmm. And I know that you have learned to recognize them in your own experience Mm -hmm. as a negotiator and doing these deals professionally. And so Mm -hmm. picking up on that. I know you've also done some self-study with with a course. And so you've practiced having images flash and picking up what is this. Um, For folks who maybe don't have the wealth of experience that you have, are there ways that you can start to pick up on what are these micro-expressions? Like, when is someone showing a micro-expression? Fewer frames per second, you can actually Mm. catch the micro-expressions. You can catch the sadness, the joy, the... uh, the eye muscles, the, the muscles around your face, you know, asymmetric smiles, stuff like that, mm-hmm. that show um, different things. So I, I think that's kind of your best bet. And if you do enough of that, you will probably be able to uh, become a better microexpression. And you don't want to, you know, at the end of the day, if you're trying to get your needs met, you don't want to be offensive all the time because a lot of times you can get what you want by being a bull in a china shop. Uh, but that probably will not be th- – th- that's probably a one-off transaction. And it's going to ruin a relationship too. Right. <laughs> and it's and then, you know, you may not care, but that may resonate with some some people. But I think the at the end of the day, if you are uh, wanting to maximize your potential and your effectiveness – uh, you want to not what they call cross um, uh, cross contaminate your relationship with the person unless you're putting up a boundary. Then you want to say stop. And Dr. Hoffman, you know all about boundaries. We have an episode on that. It's mm-hmm. actually one of our uh, higher downloaded episodes. Yeah, it got knocked out. Yeah, it got <laughs> it's knocked been out knocked recently. out of the top three, <laughs> but, but it's still in the top ten. Yeah, still in the top ten. Um, so I, I think that if you're trying to uh, facilitate a transaction, uh, get the conditions of acceptance, you would want to be aware of what the objections are. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, well, back to the uh, forensic and interrogator there, he, he said, focus on what the objections are, mm-hmm. not what the uh, good points that you have to offer focus on their objections yeah and that's the way to facilitate communication that's really helpful um to tie it into the overall scheme that you teach about negotiation is you know have a plan know what know what your goals are before you walk in the room know what the other side's objections are when you walk in the room have a clear communication strategy that takes all of that into account but I think body language and knowing how to read it um, and both gross body language and micro expressions is so important because it gives you that minute to minute feedback so that maybe you were off in part of your plan or maybe you didn't account for, okay, right. they're objecting to this other thing I thought that they would be fine with. And you can pick that up in real time and mirror that back to them and say something like, oh, hey, I, I see that this isn't really resonating with you. Tell me more about that. You know, what about what I just said doesn't you know, hit what you're needing necessarily. Right. And, and you can actually minimize those problems ahead of time. So we have, uh, um, we have a, like a, a quick uh, negotiation plan and for our freemium subscribers on the persuasion lab.com, but, uh, uh, subscribers actually have a very detailed one that's, uh, algorithm based and it actually gives you a percentage of what you need to work on. And if 
you're falling short on a certain element in your plan, you can beef that up and minimize it. Mm-hmm. But everyone who is a professional negotiator generally has a plan. They don't fire from the hip in a transaction. They're very strategic thinkers, the ones who do it well. What all this stuff, the tactical stuff, and uh, some of the other things that uh, we talk about, the body language stuff, that is stuff that you have got to have in your toolkit mm-hmm. while you're doing your plan because the higher level of the negotiation, the more all that stuff is already taken care of and these finer points can absolutely determine uh, uh, victory for defeat. And it's it's actually making a, a series of uh, good choices. If your good choices uh, overcome your bad choices, you generally will prevail in that negotiation. And it's not about getting it 100% right. Mm-hmm. It's making uh, more right decisions mm-hmm. than bad decisions. Sure. And that's what knowing tactics, body language, uh, micro expressions, all that stuff that we teach is, is all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what do you have to say about my body language right now, Dr. Hoffman? You look pretty relaxed. You're kind of sitting back in your chair and you have your little coffee cup. And... Yeah. Open body mm-hmm. position. So, yeah, when you have, that's another thing. If someone has like their thigh between you and them, that's a blockage or their, their shoulder. But if mm-hmm. they are open, mm-hmm. uh, if, they're, if they're mirroring or they're open to your body language, that means, hey, I want the dialogue and mm-hmm. I want us to say something. Yeah. And I guess we get along. Hopefully. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I can say, um, I think also a good place to practice is um, on airplanes. If you're, when people are traveling again, if you sit next to somebody who doesn't want to talk to you as opposed, (laughs) or maybe this goes both ways. So Martin, you're someone who you're happy to talk to all kinds of people at all kinds of times. Whereas I'm someone who's like, just leave me alone. I'm doing my thing. I just need to get from point A to point B. Um, And our body language tends to reflect that. And so if you are traveling or on a bus or something, like noticing how people are sitting and how, whether they're open to engagement or not, and like shoulder position in this, that might be another, another good way to, to pay attention and sort of learn to observe these cues more intentionally. Yeah. Uh, Airplanes are kind of a, a crapshoot. You know, sometimes you get, you want just enough conversation, but you don't want six hours. You just want, like, the initial five minutes. Hey, how's it going? Okay, thanks, bye. Headphones on. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> At any rate. All right. So, yeah, just to summarize, um, what we what we talked about today is body language. And the first thing you have to do to really be effective is establish some type of baseline mm-hmm. as quick as you can. Prior dealings. Uh, help you to establish some type of baseline and deviations from that baseline can tell you sometimes whether or not they're repulsed you know generally leaning away uh they want to engage leaning in um they feel confident wide body language taking up a lot of real estate or they are under stress they feel small they don't feel comfortable um and those are kind of the things we need we need the baseline and then we can get into body language and then you may be able to get into micro expressions if you practice as recommended Mm -hmm. and i think that's it for this episode of the persuasion lab dr hoffman do you have anything you want to say 
No, I just want to replug shamelessly for you the persuasionlab.com because there are so many good resources. Yeah. Um, the premium has, I mean, the free medium has a few that are good, but the premium really hits the nail on the head in terms yeah. of your deal points and then also just being able to see really great examples of what different body language um, looks like in different contexts. And, and I want to thank the subscribers. Mm -hmm. We have um, uh, procurement folks. We have salespeople. We have politicians. We have attorneys. Uh, who are benefiting from those mm -hmm. tools. And it, it really makes me happy that it's actually helping people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's all I have. Um, thank you, Dr. Hoffman. And thank you for listening uh, and subscribing and liking and commenting on our podcast. We will have, uh, we have a number of questions that you want answered. And I think the next episode may be just a Q&A I don't know what is on the schedule, but we're going to try to entertain some of those questions that you've been sending in, and thank you for that. Have a great day, and remember, we communicate our needs to the world using persuasion, influence, and negotiation, and how effective we are at doing those things determines if, in fact, our needs are met. Thanks a lot, and have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't yet, please hit subscribe and leave a review and a rating so other folks can find the podcast. And, of course, the fully outfitted Digital Persuasion Lab is open and ready for all your negotiation experiments. If you head over to thepersuasionlab.com, you'll find tools like strategic plan assessments, deal point checklists, operational considerations, scripts for specific types of negotiations, and access to exclusive personal consultations. The tools and databases are updated monthly, if not weekly, so there's always something new to learn and try. Remember, we communicate our needs to the world using persuasion, influence, and negotiation, and how effective we are at using those techniques determines if, in fact, our needs are met. This is Martin Medeiros in the Persuasion Lab. Thank you for joining us.